always drawn to him. And the same should be true today. The Bible says that, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if, he was, if people were attracted to him back then, they should be attracted to him now. And I truly believe that, that if, if, if the presence of God is in a place, if the presence of God is in a person, that, he, that, that people will be attracted to that person. Because it's not the person they're attracted to. They're, they're attracted to the Jesus in that person. So today, we're going to be starting the second part of our series, uh, the first part of our series. It's all about the harvest. You know, this series was, was called Preparing the Harvest. We got to release the children, I'm sorry. So the series itself was Preparing the Harvest, right? And the first part of it was Preparing the Labor. So we spent some time, we got kind of messed up with the, with the hurricane. It felt like it was kind of drawn out because we had some guest speakers in there. But this month is going to be on our second part, and that is sowing the seed, okay? And one thing is for sure that if, if we want to reap the harvest that we're believing God for next month, and I just want to remind you that it is next month, then there are things that we're going to have to sow into. And sowing is a kingdom principle. You know, Paul said in, in Galatians 6, he said this. Verse uh, 7, he said, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, catch this, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So that's the principle, is we will reap what we sow. And that's what Paul's saying here, is whether good or bad, whatever we're sowing, we're going to reap the, the consequences of it. But pertaining to the harvest, if we sow the right things, this is what Paul is saying here, if we're sowing the right things into the harvest, then we can expect a return. So that should give us an assurance that nothing I am doing, nothing we are doing here, no preaching, no reaching out to people is ever going to go in vain because if I'm sowing the right things by the Spirit of God, then I'm going to reap everlasting life. So if we're wanting the harvest that we're believing for, we have to sow into something that really should be at the forefront of all of our lives. You know, and, and, and a lot of times people, people tend to put it in the back of their minds and in, in the back of their schedules. But it really is uh, to spend time with the one whose harvest it is, right? And that's why today's message is going to be called Sowing into His Presence. So in order to preach this message, I have to do a little... A little summarizing because I'm preaching out of the book of Ruth today, and Ruth is, I mean, being four chapters, if you were to try to break that down verse by verse, it's a lot of stuff. But what happened was, uh, in the time of Judges, there was a woman named Naomi, and her and her husband lived in Bethlehem in Israel, and there was a famine in the land at that time. And what happened was, because there was a famine, they picked up and went and moved somewhere else, her and her, her, her sons. So when they, when they packed up, they ended up going to Moab. When they got to Moab, her husband ends up dying, okay? So Naomi's left without, without her husband now, and, and the two sons end up marrying two women. One was named Ruth, who the book is named after, and then Orpah. So after a while, <clears throat> the, sons, the sons pass away as well. So now she's left a widow, and all she has is, is her two daughter-in-laws. So she hears word that there's bread in Israel now, that the Lord blessed his people again. So she decides to go back, pack up, bring her, bring her daughters-in-law with her, 
and go back home. Well, on the way, she tells, she tells her, her daughters-in-law, like, don't come with me. You don't have to come with me. Go home. I don't have any more sons. Even if I could have a husband right now and have kids, why would you wait around? They're going to be, you know, you're going to be old by the time they get, they get older. So he said, go home. Go home and, 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 and go home to your mother and father's house and, and find a husband and, and have a life. And Orpah did that. Orpah ended up doing that. And, but Ruth said, you know what? No, I'm, I'm going with you. Wherever you go, I'm going to go. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. So they end up going back to, to Israel. So when they get there, Naomi starts telling Ruth of a, of a relative she has by the name of Boaz. And Boaz has a harvest field, and he's the lord of that harvest. Amen. He's the lord of that harvest. He oversees everything that's going on. He has people working in this field. And unannounced to Ruth at the time, she just told Naomi, she said, she said let me go out to this field, and let me just glean behind the harvesters, whatever they're dropping, I'm just going to pick up, you know. Because at the time, they were both destitute. They didn't have any way of providing for themselves, so she had to get whatever she could get coming from behind the harvesters. Well, Boaz ends up taking notice of her after a while and ends up, ends up providing for her and ends up, you know, giving her different things. But it got to a point where she ended up not being able to, uh, the money was running out and she ended up not being able to pay for the land anymore. That was Naomi's. And Naomi tells Ruth, she said that Boaz is a kinsman redeemer. And what that is, is at the time, whenever somebody owned a piece of land and they couldn't afford it anymore, they, they, and they had, they, they had gotten poor and they had to sell it just to make money, a person that was closest to them, called a kinsman redeemer, that was, that was closely related to them, would buy it so that the name would be able to, to go on forever in Israel. And really what that is, is, is that shows that Boaz is a type of Christ because Christ is our redeemer. He's our kinsman redeemer. God chose Christ to become a man just like us to redeem us back to him by his blood. Okay? So that's where you pick up at in, in chapter 3. So we see in, in this, you know, after a while, they're, they're getting to this desperate place. And Naomi tells Ruth, she said, I got to find you a husband. You know, you're getting older, and all you're doing is just working in the field, and I can't take this anymore. So she's like, She's like, she's like, go to, she's like, go to Boaz, okay? Tonight he's going to be winnowing barley on the thresh, threshing floor. And she said, she said, go clean yourself up and go down there, okay? So this is what it says in verse 2. Ruth chapter 3, verse 2. Now Boaz, with who, whose women you have been working, okay, is a relative of ours. Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. You know, up until this point, Ruth had, you know, just been working and, and doing all she could, but she got to a, pl a place where, you know, it didn't matter what she, do she, had, she, done, she did anymore. I mean, she was just, she came to a place that it was just at, at a dead end, you know? And there's a place that every person is going to have to come to if they want to encounter the presence of God, okay? And that's the threshing floor. And what the threshing floor was this. It was a smooth, flat surface where... All the harvest grain that came in from the harvest, they would spread it out, okay? And the people, the farmers, that, what they had to do to actually harvest the grain was they had to lay it out, and they either had to let animals run over it, okay? 
or beat it with sticks because the, the grain had to be broken apart. And what would happen was when they would beat it, it would separate the grain from the chaff. And then what they would do is they would take this thing called a winnowing fork. They would, they would pick up what was left, and they would throw it in the air. And the wind would blow the chaff out the window, and the grain would be what's left to fall. So in other words, the threshing floor is a place of breaking that everybody has to come, come to, okay, in order to counter God. It's a place that says, you know, I'm tired of doing it my way. I'm tired of, of, of I've tried this thing on my own for far too long, and I can't do it anymore without God. And they have to come to a place where they allow him to break them. And why is that? It's because a lot of times when people have hurt in their life, they cling to that hurt. They cling to the things that, that people have done them in their lives, and the only way to, 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 to rid them of it, and God knows this, is that he has to break them. That stuff has to be broken off your life. It's the same thing with sin and bondage. You know, people can't just get free on their own. They have to be broken in order to get free. And that's what, that's what happens at the threshing floor, okay? So really, this, this scene that we're about to go into with Ruth and Boaz is this, is that God is showing you an example of how we relate to him. Ruth resembles us, and then Boaz resembles Christ, okay? So she had to come to a place where, you know, Bo, Bo, Boaz being the kinsman redeemer, she had to come to the place where she, she knew she couldn't do it on her own. She had to come to him in trust and faith and believe that he was going to be the redeemer, okay? And at this, at this point, there are some things that changed in Ruth's life. There are some things that when she encountered the presence of God that changed in her life. And the first thing was this, is that his presence, Boaz's presence, changed her posture, Okay? Verse 3, I mean, I'm sorry, verse 3 and 4 says this. Is, it says, wash, Naomi's telling this to Ruth. She said, wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying, then go and uncover his feet and lie down. And he will tell you what to do. Naomi told her to lie down at his feet. And that's the, that's the first thing that needs to happen when you come into the presence of God. Your posture changes because you have to lay down who you are. When you come into the presence of God, it's no longer about me. It's about him. But so many people, you know, when they get into the scene and Boaz is laying on the floor, she's, she's, telling, she's telling Ruth, she said, wait till he's lying down. Wait till he's, he, you know, he's going to bed and then go in and be quiet. But so many people want to come in the presence of God and almost act as if they're standing over God and say, come on, aren't you going to, feel, you know, aren't you going to do what I asked you to do? Aren't you going to do what I want you to do? And that's not, that's not the right posture to have when you come into the presence of God. She said, lay at his feet. You got to lay it down. Second thing is, is his presence changed her, her perspective. Verse 4 says, when he lies down, note the place where he is lying. You have to realize the time that these two were living in. So to say that they were, uh, that Israel was conducted under judges at this point, God had, at this point, this is after Moses had died, this is after Joshua, but jo he had raised up judges, and these were particular people when, when Israel had become in, uh, disobedient, 
and out of hand, he would raise up specific people to turn Israel back to him. So it was really a time of, of a lot of uh, political and social unrest, okay? So it wasn't uncommon for people in that day to go into people's storehouses like gangs of thieves, break into their storehouses, and take all their crops. So we see, we see Boaz laying on the ground with all his crops around him. It changed the perspective because this is, his heart was for that harvest. He was laying there protecting what was his. And that's what happens when you come into the presence of God. Your perspective changes. Your perspective changes. You know, you, you, we see Jesus in John 4, after he's ministering to the, the Samaritan woman at the well, and his disciples are coming to him. And he's, he's talking to her, and they just come up to him, and they're like awed. They're like, man, what are you talking to a woman for? And they're trying to ask him if he wants food and trying to see what he needs. And he, he literally tells them, and this blows my mind, but in John 4, 34 and 35, Jesus said this. He said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me to finish his work. He said, do you, don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. He said, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They're ripe for harvest. Jesus was saying, you've been hearing what I'm saying, but I want you to see what I'm seeing. And when you're in the presence of God, it's no longer just about hearing what he's saying. It's he starts showing you what he's seeing. You know what I'm saying? And, that's what, and there's things that are only going to be unlocked in the presence of God by you sowing into his presence. So many people come to church, they hear the word, they know the word, but they still don't know the heart of God. You have to sow into the presence of God to know his heart. The third thing that changed is that his presence changed her priorities. Verse 3 and 4 says, wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he's lying, then go and cover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. There's so many people, when they come into the presence of God, they just want to talk and talk and talk. And that's not what Naomi's telling Ruth to do. She said, when you go in there, make it as if he, can't, he doesn't even know you're there. And then he'll tell you what to do. It's very hard to have a conversation with somebody and two people be talking at the same time and you hear what they're saying. You know what I'm saying? So that's what happens when you come into the presence of God, that if you want to hear from God, you have to quiet down. You have to quiet down and listen to what he's speaking because he is trying to speak to you. You got to listen, Linda. <laughs> fourth thing that changes is his presence changed her position. This one's good. So if you read the story, you know, Ruth went from just being a servant in the field in chapter 3 to becoming Boaz's wife by chapter 4. And it was simply out of coming into his presence out of a specific need. She was willing to sow into his presence, and it changed her, her position. Ruth 4.10 says this. He says, I have also acquired, and this is after... Uh, Boaz has redeemed the property for, for Naomi, and he, he's bought it back. He, he acquired uh, Ruth as his wife. So he says, I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Malon's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. And he said, today you are witnesses. And as, when we get into the presence of God, when you encounter the presence of God, and the presence of God fills your life, your position changes. 
And just like Ruth, we're no longer just servants. We're no longer just foreigners to God. We're sons and daughters of the Most High, and we're co-heirs with Christ. And that means that everything that's Christ is mine now, too. That means that if, his, if the harvest is his, it's mine, too, now. I have the right to go in there and get people saved. Too many times the, the, the church gets scared to go and talk to people because, oh, well, I don't want the devil coming my way. The harvest isn't the devil's. The harvest is the Lord's. And we have to, we have to understand our position in Christ that since it's, it's his, then we have the right and the job to go into his field now and go get people saved. And what's cool is when you, when you encounter the presence of God, you, don't, you no longer have to, to wonder, man, am I a son of God? Am, let me tell you something. When you encounter the presence of God, you know you're a son of God. You know you're a daughter of God. What happened with Ruth was this. She never had to worry if she was Boaz's wife after that. Every time she looked at her husband, she said, that's my husband, and I'm his wife. And it's the same thing with God. That's my God, and I'm his son. We have a big-time big identity crisis in the church today, and I really believe it's because people don't really sow into the presence of God because if they sowed into the presence of God, they would know who they were, who they are. And that's the whole point of it. The pre his presence changes everything. That's why his presence is a priority in everything we do. That's why we don't rush it during worship. That's why we don't rush it. The fifth thing that came from, from that instance with Boaz was this, is that fruitfulness came from intimacy. Verse 13 and, and Ruth 4 says this, So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. The proof of intimacy with the Lord is the fact that you will reap a harvest. It's impossible for you to say that you truly are intimate with the Lord and not produce a harvest and not win souls. Just like it's inevitable for, for a couple who, who, who gets together, a husband and a wife, when they are intimate with each other, that is, it is impossible for them to not have a child by, doing, by being intimate with each other. It's the same way with us. It is inevitable for somebody who says, man, I, you know, I'm walking close to the Lord. The proof is you will, you will produce. You will have fruit. And it's not that, you know, if you're not winning anybody to Christ, it's not that you don't know enough scripture. It's not that, you know, you don't read enough or you don't listen to worship songs throughout the week and all that. The fact is you're not close enough to Jesus. Because if we're close enough to Jesus then we will produce. And that's what's happening in the church today is, is you know, we have a lot of people that, that like to come on Sunday mornings and get in the presence of God, but, but yet throughout the week they don't spend any time with the Lord. Now I want you to see how that looks. If you have a spouse in here and you only spent one day with your spouse out of the week, how would that make them feel? How would that make them feel? You know what I'm saying? But yet we do it to Jesus and we expect them to be all right with it. It's got to change. We can't expect God to give us any of his harvest if we're not willing to spend time with him. That's why when sowing, you know, you can sow into people, you can preach the word and everything, but look, if you're not sowing into the presence of God on a daily basis, that's the paradigm that has to shift. You know, a lot of, time, like, a lot of times in, in, in the American church, this is the way it, it's gotten is, you know, Sundays is the big celebration, and 
then uh, throughout the week, I'm just too busy to spend time with God. You make time for the things that you love. And if you say that you love God, you need to make time for them. And I'm believing today. I'm believing today that some priorities are going to change. I'm believing today that some people's perspective pertaining to the harvest is going to change. I'm believing today that, that people's posture coming into the presence of the Lord it will no longer be about gimme, 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 but let me just sit at your feet. Let me just sit at your feet. Let me keep quiet because I know you want to speak to me. And what's cool is when you speak to me, he's going to tell you about your life. He's going to tell you what he wants you to do. That's his will for your life. He's going to even tell you who to go talk to. But here's the thing. If you're walking and you see somebody and you felt really like to talk to them, God knows what's about to happen in that person's life. And either three things are going to happen. Either that person's about to get saved by you preaching the gospel, they need prayer, or you're just sowing some of the word into them so that somebody else can reap them later. But it only comes from his presence. Only comes from his presence. And that's what we as a church need to do. We need to hear the call of Naomi and say, look, go get yourself cleaned up and go sit at his feet. Keep quiet. We need to learn what it is to sit in the presence of the Lord on a daily basis. It has to start today. So if that's you, I'm going to open up these altars. It's a short message. I didn't want to preach long. I believe that God's about to do more in this time than I could have preached for an hour. <laughs>